Greetings, and welcome to the debut episode of Three Night Weekend from Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of the site, and I've been covering games and entertainment for over 20 years across publications like GameSpot, Tech TV, G4, Game Trailers, Spike, and now my own concoction, Sifted. This new podcast is available to our patrons every Friday morning and will be published for everyone else the following Monday. If you want day one access to the show, head to patreon.com sifted and pledge at least $4 per month. So what is Three Night Weekend? Well, it's an audio-only show that runs down all the big releases in gaming, TV, film, music, sports, esports, and more to make sure you're maximizing your time off. But the bulk of the show each week is an interview with a gaming industry icon. We'll certainly talk about video games and the industry at large, but we'll also get to know these people on a much deeper level, and hopefully have a new appreciation for the folks who create, promote, or cover our favorite entertainment medium. To access the free version of the show every Monday, make sure you're subscribed to the Sifted Radio podcast feed on your favorite app or our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash siftedgames. We're kicking things off with an old friend. Marcus Beer was my co-host for the Invisible Walls podcast for many, many years and has extensive experience in the journalism, PR, and development sides of the industry. Well, since this is our first ever episode of Three Night Weekend, I could not think of a better person to come on a debut show on Sifted than the legendary Marcus Beer. What's up, Marcus? How are you? Wow. How many people turned you down? <laughs> Zero. You were the first person I asked, Marcus. I just, oh. I think based on our history, I think a lot of people want to hear from you. Um, you've kind of gone a little underground uh, since the game trailers <laughs> days. And if people aren't following your Twitter feed every day, they may have no idea what you're up to these days. Um, and so I wanted to touch base with you. And since this is the first episode of Three Night Weekend, I want everyone to know that this isn't a show purely about gaming. Obviously, you probably picked up on that from the earlier portions of the show. But what we really want to do with this show is get under the skin a little bit with some of the people in the industry, learn what makes them tick, learn what makes them excited, maybe outside of games. But, you know, we'll talk about games as well. Um, and very happy and very proud to have Marcus Beer on the show. Marcus, what have you been up to since you left Game Trailers? Well, I, I, I find it funny that you said under the radar, because let's face it, um, at one point I was very nearly six feet under the radar. That's true. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know, because obviously um, I did a, I think I did a, uh, a game face with you um, after the heart attack. Yep um where where we streamed and that, that was it was fun it was about a year i think after the heart attack but yeah yep. um four years ago last thursday in fact wow um, that's a big I, anniversary I, for yeah good and bad reasons yeah yeah it's been it's actually been it's, it's been a rough week uh a rough seven days uh this time last week i found out my my favorite uncle passed away from a heart attack i'm sorry um, to hear that marcus yeah. all during the anniversary of your heart attack yeah well it's it's strange i mean we both we had bypasses within um like three months of each other as well and it was just totally unexpected because uh, the bypass should have yeah because he just had enough. a bypass how does that make you feel about your bypass marcus um well i mean i feel look does it worry me that there is some freak genetic anomaly in my family's DNA chain that's going to mess with 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 my bypass? Um, it's at the back of my mind, but at the end of the day, um, I'm a lot younger. I'm a good yep. 
20, uh, 26 years younger than, than uh, my uncle was. Well, I'll tell you, Marcus, um, if I get another 26 years on this planet, I'll be pretty happy. So. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. They, they, you know, they, that's the thing they say about the bypass, you know, having it done so early. Uh, you know, I was 49 last summer when I had it done. Mm-hmm. Um, that it should have bought me at least 20 years. Oh, at least. At least 20 years, which is good. I mean, you know, I've got to stay off the ciggies and mm-hmm. uh, which are, you know, four years and it was four years and uh, ago, you know, four years last Thursday that I have my last cigarette as well. Congratulations. Marcus. That's no <laughs> small feat, my brother. That's, oh, you have no idea how much I miss it. Yeah, I absolutely. still miss it. Oh, you still, still miss it. Interesting. Of course. I mean, a lot I'm, of people, when they get more... to your point, will say, I'm over it now. I, I don't miss having to wash my clothes every time I wore them. I don't miss, you know, the I don't burns the and all that stuff. No, I don't miss the smell. I don't miss uh, smelling like an ashtray. Um, I, it's, it's, it was just part of my life where I'd just go and sit in the backyard and I'd think, right. I to work on a show. Mm-hmm. I'd go and light a cigarette, walk around to take notes. Cause that's when I do my best thinking mm-hmm. and having, having to retrain myself to do that with a stick of celery doesn't quite work as well. <laughs> um, so I generally tend to do it with a, you know, pour myself a nice little snifter of scotch and, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I figure things out that way. Um, but yeah, what have I been up to? Crikey. I mean, well, before um, we go there, how are you feeling, Marcus? My father had a quintuple bypass and uh, he never had a problem with his heart ever again after that. He ended up dying in a car accident eventually, but yeah. his heart was great um, up until that point. So I think you have some some room for optimism there. I think you're going to be oh, okay. Definitely. No, look, um, recovery is going great. I mean, um, the you know uh will i ever wear a bikini again no because i've got a i've <laughs> got a, ever want to see you in a bikini no well, i'm sure some some might have <laughs> but you your wife know. maybe <laughs> there could be a, there could be an old only fans page in the offering for me there um Mar- marcus in a speedo uh but yes i do have this uh eight inch scar right down the center of my chest mm-hmm. um which you know can get a little bit uh depressing at times but look i i, I I, I could just be grateful that it was done when it was done. I mean, um, I was having chest pains. They admitted me on the Tuesday morning. And this was obviously last May where the pandemic was uh, was ticking along. Thankfully, it was before the first real wave hit um, Southern California's hospitals. That is fortunate. So, yeah. yeah, they got me in um, on the Tuesday morning and I was going under the knife on thursday morning and it was it was tough because you know obviously with the pandemic going on um the hospitals were obviously you know on full protocol yeah. uh, which meant my darling wife i mean she dropped me off at the er on the tuesday morning and didn't see me again until the following monday or tuesday when Jeez. they they that's not me good out. for either one of you guys yeah i mean thankfully facetime is a wonderful yeah, thing that's true um and my my cardiologist has always been amazing uh he's actually a neighbor he lives about a mile and a half away uh, in the same uh little town that i live in and uh we've become fa- you know we've become friends with him and his wife and he was he was talking to my wife daily keeping her updated uh, i was on the phone with her as soon as surgery ended i mean obviously i couldn't really talk um then because it was just it, it was rough and uh, the recovery the, the first sort of like two months of recovery were rough um there was a couple of unexpected unexpected side effects i actually came out of the hospital with a um bacterial infection oh, that um basically filled my mouth with 
uh, ulcers and meant that I couldn't eat or drink. Oh, gosh. Which is what you need to do to recover. Which is what I need to do. So the Friday after I came out, they were actually talking about admitting me again. And thankfully, Sean and my wife is just amazing. She found a uh, local ear, nose and throat doctor who said, look, bring him in. We'll treat him. We'll figure it out so he doesn't go back in because nobody nobody wants to go back into hospital, um, to, you know, during a pandemic if they, if they can avoid it. Yep. And, you know, that... Um, that that helped and i remember actually uh, i hadn't eaten for like two days i just been sipping water and the first meal on the way back from the doctors because she'd given given me this thing that had just numbed my throat and numbed all these ulcers um i was like i don't care if it's naughty i want a mcdonald's <laughs> so we stopped <laughs> at a mcdonald's um, probably not the best choice but well, hey, no i mean you know again it was it. I, I mean yeah. i i have one of those things once a year uh-huh. if that Yep. So, I mean, that was it. And then the second main dinner, the, the second dinner that, that I had was actually uh, sushi. A kale salad. Was, <laughs> yeah, no kale, no kale. No, my wife sneaks those into my green smoothies yeah. every day. But um, yeah, uh, you know, and then this bit, one of the things that they, they say is that if you have major invasive surgery, your body can go into shock somewhat. And my hair started falling out. Oh, wow. Um, it's, I wish I had an excuse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it was certainly disconcerting uh, again um and you know it seems to have stopped now and the hair's growing back my scalp's you know itching enough but uh-huh. i mean it's still thinner than it was yeah uh, but i mean apart from those those minor side effects to be honest with you i'm doing great i mean the only issues i have with my chest are the long-term damage from the actual heart attack where the cpr cracked my ribs oh uh, wow my I'm uh, well, not saying my, my ribs, but my shoulder um, joint uh, on my left shoulder. So there's nerve damage in there. Um, oh wow! That, I think that's again, something most people don't even realize is a an issue. You know. Well, you know, when you have uh, you know a six foot nine fireman battering your chest to keep you alive, it doesn't really uh, you know uh, come into the you know come into worth any- every nerve. I guess is a, a good way to put it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they 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 did what they had to do. They saved yep. you know they, they saved, saved your life. life. I can get this fixed um, once the pandemic's gone. I mean, there's going to be some, you know, a little bit of surgery involved, but apart from that, I look. I'm really lucky. I am so you lucky. Are. I mean, there yep. are so many people who can't, you know, especially now as we're in the middle, you know, in in the real depths of this pandemic, um, and you know, as you know, here in LA County, we we're COVID central. I yeah, mean, we've had more I cases. Feel like we've been but, locked down the whole time. Other parts of the country have it's come and gone. But yeah. for us, it hasn't really changed this whole time. I don't think well, people I'm, in America really appreciate what people in LA have been through with this pandemic. Well, I think the biggest problem is that, and I don't know if you're if you're allowing swears on this new podcast. Absolutely, yeah. But the fucking assholes who won't wear masks. I know. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I'm not even. I, I'm not cutting anybody any slack here. If you can't wear a mask for medical reasons, well, do what I do. Stay the fuck in. Yeah, I have been in locked into my house on a pretty apart from the occasional drive out where you know where we don't go anywhere. Or maybe we'll get some drive through. Yeah, um, for almost a year. I mean, and there are, I think we all have been. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, most people have, but then you know you can see packs of cyclists bombing yeah. up and down in the, in the you know the the the, the streets around where I, I live, just about Pasadena, and none of them are wearing masks. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. There hasn't been a lot of proof that people have been able to transmit it outside, even in the NFL, where they're yelling at each other from a couple inches away. They're sweating. Those those guys are getting tested every day. Yeah, But my point is, is that they had no transmission on the field. 
Uh-huh. And now we're talking about this new, the, the new strains, the South African and the UK strains that are that basically, that are if worse. you don't have a mask on, they can project up to 20 feet. Jeez. So if you're out walking and somebody on a bike, and I'm just using the cyclists as, you know, because not all cyclists, again, a lot of cyclists are wearing, wearing masks, but we're seeing, you know, we're having a real problem up here because where, where I live is up by the trails and it's beautiful countryside. Yeah. And if those people pass within 20 feet of you and they're asymptomatic, asymptomatic carriers and they're breathing and huffing and puffing, 20 feet, they can actually send those droplets into the air. And the cold weather is not doing anything much about it because we had like three days of cold weather and now it's 66 degrees again. So it's hanging in the air. So, and everybody has said, if you wear a friggin' mask, you're protecting yourself, you're protecting other people. These people who are barricading um, the vaccination points because Bill Gates is going to inject me with nanobots because he wants to track me. Honestly, I've got a message for them. Bill Gates couldn't give two shits about what you're doing. If you want to, you know, if you don't want to be tracked, well, how about you get rid of your cell phone? Yeah, it's absurd. Your DSL. I don't want to spend any time on this show trying to. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just. I just want to get. That. Either you believe the science or you out. don't, and that's really the problem that we've come across. Is there are some people that just don't trust science. Um, and they trust is, it for I'm other sorry. stuff, but they won't trust it for this. <laughs> it's like take uh, all I'm going to say: wear a goddamn else. mask. Are just there... wear a goddamn mask, and we'll leave it there. Wear yeah. a mask. We'll get through this together, and then we'll all be out. We'll have E3 back again. We'll have packs. Yep. We'll all be able to socialize, get vaccinated when you can, and just do it for everybody else. Take uh, Be part of the social contract. Yep. That's Fair all. enough. Let's go on to something else. Okay. Uh, let's talk about game trailers. Uh, some people may not realize if they just are catching this show out on the wilds of the internet, uh, but Marcus and I were co-hosts on a show called Invisible Walls on Game Trailers. Um, some people say it's like the first ever real gaming podcast. I wasn't aware of that, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, when we created the show, I wasn't aware that we were like one of the first ones doing it. Um, I still don't know if even if that's the case, but I know a lot of people have kind of credited the show with that. Why do you think Invisible Walls was so successful? It was fun. Yeah. And it was such a, it was always a mix of different people who were very, very knowledgeable. Yep. I mean, you know, you'd have Blood, you'd have Damiani, you'd have Brandon, you'd have Brooks Huber, you'd have Ryan, yourself, Justin me, Spear, Justin. I mean, when you could get Miguel Justin Lopez, Paul, yeah, Miguel as well. Yes, absolutely. But I mean, Justin, um, I love Justin a bit, but wow, that guy is hard to uh, elicit a, re- a real. I thought he was great on the show, though. He had, I know he was, he was great, but he's just he was brighter than three day old toast. And yeah. like I said, I love the guy and respect the guy, he's fantastic. But he was sometimes, you know, when he was it, when he was in that mood, you know what he was like. Yeah, yeah, of course. I worked um, with him for like eight years, so and yeah. actually way more than that because I had worked with him for years before I became the EIC at Game Trailers. So, um, maybe I was just used to him, uh, but I thought he brought something a little different. And I think you're right, I think. It was that there were so many personalities that came in and out of the show that it kept it fresh and new almost every week. And then most importantly, I just think that the people that were on the show were just very well informed. They were all people who had worked in the industry at that point for more than 10 years, which now that's not such a big deal. But back then to have worked in the industry for 10 years was like you were senior, senior. Um, And so I think you know, that helped a lot. People were just really experienced. They're able to look at one game and be able to compare it to like, 
10 other games that they had played. And I think that's the advantage of being a little older and have a little more experience. Um, and then obviously the whole game trailers thing, and we're not going to get into that, but game trailers crashed and crumbled. Um, and then I left and uh, started Sifted. And then you came over and worked with us for a bit right at the beginning of Sifted. Yep. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, it was fun doing games, uh, game space, uh, game face. Sorry. Um, I just, I mean, I went through a blip where, well, it wasn't necessarily a blip. It was a couple of years where I just started to fall out of love with the industry. Yeah. Um, I remember talking things, to you and I was like, man, what do I got to do to get Marcus to get back into? Th-? No, I mean, you know, it's, it was right around the time that Gamer, Gamergate took off. Yeah. And I was seeing a very toxic aspect of the industry that's now a very toxic. And the Gamergate was not the forerunner. Oh, yeah, that's been around Galt, forever. Right? Let's, let's just say E6 that right here. And like a lot of people are like, oh, if, if they'd have shut down Gamergate, the alt-right wouldn't have... No, the alt-right was always coming. Yeah, as and also as- toxic gamers have been a thing since the first my first day at GameSpot back in like 1999. <laughs> like, this isn't a new... They've just given themselves a name now and they found themselves a website where they could all congregate and tell each other that they're awesome. That's essentially the change that's happened, to me anyway, over... Yeah, and look, the, 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 the toxic... You find the toxic fan issue in every single item of culture. I Ath- mean... Yeah, sports, athletics. Yeah. They're almost well, as bad. Between- Politics, in- even worse. <laughs> yeah i mean everything is partisan yeah. everything is my team is better than your team everything is uh is tribal and look i saw what i was doing with a night gamer and i thought at first i was doing more good so like trying to be a voice for the gamer and the little guy mm-hmm. uh especially against you know some of the companies who are pulling egregious crap yeah which by the but- way if, for those of you who may, maybe didn't follow game trailers back in the in the day annoyed gamer was marcus's own show after he had been on invisible walls for a while he built like a nice fan base and um, we decided to give him his own show and it was basically a, a rant show and was it one of the first rant shows maybe i, I think you know between uh you I know mean, just, let's be honest I mean, marcus almost everything we did at game trailers was the first whatever the first video version of whatever um yeah, i people think don't realize we created like the the, vi- the graphics comparison at game trailers which is something that digital foundry has now built an entire business on yeah <laughs> Well, I think Jim Sterling was definitely the. I was think he, he was already the, doing rants at that point? Yeah, he was already okay. doing rants and he's still doing them. And he's still doing them. And maybe I Angry think. Joe was around then too. I'm not Angry I think Joe, so. yeah. yeah. I mean, in my, in my opinion, Jim is still the uh, the gold standard for pissing for sure. people off and being very smart, <laughs> and being smart uh, with about regards it, yeah. to, to how he gets stuff across. But yeah, um, I love doing Annoyed Gamer, but it started to get a little bit tired trying to find something to get pissed off about every week. Yeah, you're manufacturing some... anger at that point, right? Well, I, well, I don't. I mean, I had a couple of episodes that I so I went back towards the end and said, I "Really shouldn't have done that because I jumped on a bandwagon." Mm-hmm. Um, but it just got. And look, I'm still a miserable, grumpy old bastard. But um, <laughs> we, we want... wouldn't have you any other way, Marcus. <laughs> but what's the point in being that and just? Um, yeah, picking on the smallest things. I mean, it's all about perspective. It's all about making sure that the stuff I was doing was was still standing within that, um, you know, wanting to do what, you know, do right by the little guy, and mm-hmm. you know, to call out certain sections of the games community for, you know, bullshit. Um, and it just got, it just got, you know, it, it started to get me down. Um, How much uh, impact did the whole Jonathan Blow thing have? Oh, you well. I think Jonathan Blow was actually very uh, magnanimous about it. It was obviously the Phil Fish issue. 
um, that still rears its head. And, um, you know, we're talking about eight, nine years, ten, almost 10 yeah, years. It's later, been a long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still get the occasional, Oh, I can't believe you got first two canceled, which I didn't. Um, do you, you know, think Phil, you didn't? Well, no, Phil fish came out and actually said, I'm it's nothing to do with this guy. He actually said, it's nothing to do with this guy. I'm just tired of video games in general. And he wanted to walk away. Hmm. You don't and take it, any responsibility for that, Marcus, at all. Well, getting a game canceled. Oh, uh, yeah. You don't think you were maybe one of the final pushes off the cliff for him? What happened with you and that whole dust up? Look, if uh, this, I'm, I'm going to, right, I'm, I'll get your answer in a minute. Okay. Um, the whole conversation, the whole rant was based around Phil Fish in particular at the time. Um, was attacking, I think it was Microsoft, over their indie policy. Mm-hmm. And then they made some changes and started to embrace indie games more. And then he attacked them for that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is obviously a very long time ago. I'm, I'm now 50 and on several <laughs> several narcotics for my chest that basically, <laughs> but they do fudge my memory a little. Sure, sure. But, I mean, I called him out for his hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, at the time he was, uh, you know, somebody who look, he was like, like me. I was like him. Yeah, very opinionated. You guys, are, <laughs> you guys are very similar and yeah. generally. And he look, he made some games well. that he made a game that was hugely successful. Everybody loved it, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, but if you're gonna dish it, you got to take it. And I called him out for you know, for, for basically this, you know, viewing Microsoft as damned if you do and damned if you don't and that hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got buried then because. Yeah. I don't think anybody blamed you, Marcus at all. Like, I don't think anyone thought that your issues with him were unreasonable or unfounded. And I don't even know if I really I people think... shouldn't blame you for what he decided to do. I'm just curious if you think that maybe, the situation with you was just one of the final straws of dozens for him. It, it could, it could have been, um, yeah. I don't, I don't feel you know, personally responsible for it. Would I like to him to have uh, finished his game for his fans? Absolutely. If he comes back, do I wish him all the best? Absolutely. But at that moment in time, I called him out on uh, him and, um, Jonathan blow out for, um, the hypocrisy uh, by, you know, attacking it, you know, a company for doing one thing. And when they rectified it, attacking them again for doing so. Yeah. Um, Understandable. And that's what got lost with a lot of uh, commentators. A lot of sites decided that I was public enemy number one, which, which was fine. You know, it is what it is. They want, yeah. they wanted to get the clicks. There are people who I'd met in person who then, uh, you know, went on video and, you know, didn't even reach out to me to have a conversation, just right. attacked me left, right and center. And you know mm-hmm. what? That's if they're happy, good luck to them. I mean, I moved on. And like I said, if, uh, you know, if he comes back and does Fez 2 or remasters Fez 1 or whatever he wants to do, I just hope he's happy. Mm-hmm. And you know what? A lot of people are happy out of the video game space that I, that I know because it has become a toxic environment. And that's why, like I said, I stepped away from Annoyed Gamer because I was worried I was contributing too much to that toxicity. To the negativity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, I got, a, I got out of it before Game Again. Yeah. Um, because then, it, it, <laughs> oh man, it, it I can also imagine became, you taking on Gamergate. Well, it was worrying because yeah. people were being doxxed, people were being attacked, yeah, and um, people were were being swatted. And 
you know, I had a wife and, yep. um, you know, she had a business and I didn't want her business to be impacted. Yeah, yeah. I had protect. friends and I didn't want their business to be in- impacted. So I was like, you know what? I've, I've given the, you know, this industry X amount of years of my life. I think it's probably like 20 years of my life at the time, 20, 25 years. I'm like, I'm done. So I just Marcus, wanted to walk away. And I did. And yeah, you did. Yeah. I, I did. And, uh, you know, I was actually having more fun doing the pop culture podcast on game trailers than I was doing Invisible Walls or doing um, Annoyed Gamer. Um, and, you know, everybody goes through that. I mean, yep. one of the things I will always say to anybody who's, who wants to get into the industry is make sure you have a social life. Make sure you've got something to separate you from video games. Do not burn yourself out by playing video games 24-7, working in video games, playing video games, talking video games. Expand your horizons. I could take that advice right about now. <laughs> you could have taken that bl- You could have taken that 15, I, 20 years ago too. I, I mean, have. I've been living you know, that life for 20 years, 23 years now, Marcus, with no yeah. breaks. Yeah. It's I mean, hard. I've, you know, I've stepped, I've stepped away from, uh, stepped away from stuff. And like I said, I stepped away for the longest time. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I actually put a Facebook post up on my personal page and a lot of uh, industry friends said they understood where I was coming from yeah. and they felt the same way. And, you know, I got a start after about a good so like 18 months, two years, I decided to just come back. You know, I, I, I slowly got myself involved again. I slowly started, you know, playing some more games and, um, you know, playing what I wanted to play. Yeah. That's you know, a big difference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's, that's the thing, you know, yeah. um, I started to, to, to get really interested again. And then um, I actually formed a consultancy with a couple of friends uh, because having spent lots of years PRing games and working in marketing and then, critiquing games i mean you know i've still I've still got a uh, pretty unique perspective on re- uh, with regards to in my opinion games game design i mean um, yeah, so you came so- on sifted and you helped me launch sifted you are the original co-host of game face um and then the day before e3 you decided you didn't want to do it anymore why did that happen marcus i'll be honest with you i still don't have any idea why that happened i was just tired mate yeah I was tired. Um, I wanted to go to E3 and just relax and see some friends. E3 for me has long gone from being work where it starts at you know 7.30 in the morning on the booth for the pre-team meeting and then being on your feet all day and then going out for dinners and partying or whatever and functioning on three hours of sleep. Those days are long gone. I actually just wanted to go to E3 and just see some people. And, and have fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is that, you know, once game trailers was was gone i mean you know i get detached from the industry yeah because i wasn't going into the office two or three times a day or two three times a week to to hang out record different shows see everybody and when you start to work away and a lot of people are now understanding that because they're working from home because of the pandemic but i started to feel so detached from the industry that you know i wasn't seeing my friends i wasn't having that social thing anymore because again you know you get married you buy a house you you know you, you live on the outskirts of of los angeles you're not getting on a plane anymore to, to go and see people you're not going into an office every day it yep. does you know it changes your perspective and it this does yeah you know pre-zoom pre uh you know pre a lot of, a lot of ways to keep us connected you know and i just i i i suppose you know it was my uh it was just my my time that I needed to go, you know what? Games aren't fun. I want to have some fun. And I just wanted to walk away. And 
I, you know, I know I left. Bad you. timing, Marcus. <laughs> um, honestly, for I think yes, day before E three, I don't think the timing could have been worse. Well, I mean, you know, I think you know, if I if I'd have gone through with that E three, I don't think it would have been good. I don't think it yeah. would have been good for for you. For well, anybody. I mean, after you canceled, I agreed. I'm like, if he felt that he needed to do this the day before E3, whatever coverage he would have given us at E3 probably wouldn't have been great. But I also wouldn't have been left scrambling to replace our E3 coverage in like four hours. Well, that was I the mean, hard part. You know, it was just, it, there was a there was a lot of things going on there. And I mean, you know, I, I don't really want to continue to, to hop on about this. And, um, but yeah, there was a lot of things going on in my life. I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't feeling very happy. Um, and I just wanted to get away from things. And I did. And yeah, the timing was not great for from your perspective, but it would have you would have gotten nothing good out of it, I don't think. Um, I believe that. Yeah. And I just I'll be honest with you, Marcus. I could tell that your heart wasn't really in it, and you were just doing it as a favor to me after the third or fourth episode of Game Face. Because the other thing I was seeing too is that you weren't playing games. Um, which, as you were talking about earlier, if you're going to do this, you have to just keep playing games because if you don't, you have no frame of reference for whatever you're trying to discuss. You have nothing to compare and contrast what you're talking about to something else. I was I was still playing the games. I was just getting new enjoyment out of them. Yeah. The yep. games became a chore. By the way, anyone and who's listening to this, this is water under the bridge between Marcus and I. This is not something that I'm still upset about or anything like that. Um, yeah. So no, just, just like I said, it became a chore, and I needed I needed to step away and go and, and try and figure out what I want to do on my own terms. I mean, obviously, this was uh, what six years ago, five years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, six years. Um, ago. I mean, I you know, um, my wife and I at the time were going through the early stages of the foster process. Yep. We were going to classes, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I mean, it was a long ass commute. Yeah, it was. You were taking the train to West I mean, LA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was. It was taking me an hour and a half to two hours by train to yep. get to the studio, um, and because it was a live show, it was going at a time that then it was taking me two and a half to three hours to get back. And yeah. if I drove, driving was always hard because it was. Well, driving's always worse in LA. <laughs> well, it, it was rough it's just the, the way it is. And I mean, you know, the parking situation was never really great. I mean, you, I think you had one parking spot, which was yours, yep. yeah. which is understandable. And so it just, you know, things just got too much. And I was like, all right, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And, you know, I'd had the conversation with my wife and, you know, we were really on board for the fostering thing. And yeah, priorities. Was, I mean, look, I get that. Absolutely. Yeah. Fostering a child far more important than doing a podcast. Well, um, no, so you so left, it, and then you took a little bit of time off again, and then, as you said a little earlier, you started a consulting firm with a couple uh, ex-friends from the industry, right? Yeah, they, I mean, look, ex-industry friends. They're still friends. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't uh, mean that they aren't your friends. It, I meant that no, they no, friends that you um, had from the industry before. Yeah. Ironically, the consultancy we're actually discussing uh, setting it up, um, and I'd agreed to do it in principle the week before my heart attack. Wow! And then the next thing, uh, the next thing they know is, oh, quiet. perhaps he's gone. Away. He's gone quite, you know, gone off the idea, and it's like, oh no, he's in hospital in a hypothermic coma, and then it took a year to recover, and right. then, um, and that know, was called level seventy four, correct? Level seventy four, yeah. Tal Blevins and Steve Butts from IGN were your partners. Is that right? 
Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I've known them, you know, 20 odd years. I think I've known them a little longer than I've known you, Shane, because they were actually one of the uh, to the first people I ever met when I was back at Redstone. I believe it. Back in yeah. 2000. I mean, those, I know, well, Tao, especially, he was the founder of IGN. So, yeah. you know, they had been doing that for a couple of years. I mean, IGN inspired me to do this. So certainly you met Tao before you ever met me, for sure. Yeah. Um, and look, we were, it was, it was good. I mean, we were basically working with publishers and developers, evaluating the games early on in their cycle. And what uh, is that was... like, Marcus? I think a lot of people now I don't want to get too inside baseball here because not everyone is a games journalist, but I think everyone kind of at least understands the perspective of the games journalist and kind of what the job is and what they have to do to be successful at the job. What have you found to be different uh, when consulting? The money's a lot better. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> um, people are more inclined to listen to you. You know what it's like when consultants have been brought in. Yep. Consultant is the bane of every single person's existence when they work in, at, at a company. Yep. Um, and, and look, the, the, the whole idea is, you know, well, all, this, all these years of experience of various aspects of the games industry, not just playing the games and evaluating them, but it's translating that um, ability to critique and make it really constructive. And especially after, for me, after, you know, Annoyed Gamer where I'd been, you know, ranty, ranty pants for so long, um, to be able to work with uh, publishers and developers on their games and provide constructive criticism um, as to, you know, features that were working or weren't working, things that they may have missed out on, um, provide PR marketing ideas. I mean, it was really, really refreshing. I have a question for you, Marcus. I've never worked as a consultant. Um, why is it that so many games are released with issues that anyone who plays the game can clearly see your issues? Well, for a start, so many games don't hire me as a consultant to look at that. <laughs> I get that. But realistically, this happens all over the industry. You play a game and you're like, how did this make it through focus testing um, their mock reviews, their consultants. How how does that happen sometimes? Well, not not every company uses consultants. Not okay. every, and I mean the, the the big difference in what I did and still do for certain uh, certain clients is if a, you know a game might not be coming out for three years, I get in early and look at it. I mean um, the reason you know the mock review process generally only kicks in. Uh, when the game is a gold master candidate and everything's set in stone there. I mean, right, everything, it's too late. you know, the, the foundations are laid, the, 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 the drywall is up, it's redecorated, the roof is on, you, everything is too late. You can't, make, uh, you can't make any changes. So with regards to getting in from the alpha stage and looking at things, and, and it's not just playing a game, it's looking at design documents, it's looking at um, future plans, um, it's looking at post-launch content and support and then playing the games and looking at the various um, features and structures and the uh, you know pathways within a game and seeing what works seeing seeing what feels right seeing what feels wrong seeing what just needs a, that little touch of work or perhaps taking it off in a different direction mm -hmm. um, that is that is that was this you know is the speciality of the house getting in that early um, and I think, you know, it's alien to a lot of developers and publishers because they're like, this is my precious. This is my baby. Right. And so are they very protective, would you say, when you go and try to offer feedback? 
Actually, the the companies I've been lucky enough to work with and the games I've I've, I've uh, been lucky enough to work on have been very receptive. Okay. The feedback they understand. That's encouraging to hear. Yeah, well, they they also understand that you know we have this they were this saying that you can't see the wood for the trees um, mm-hmm. because you are so close to a game that sometimes you just don't get you know you 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 get stuck on a path and you can't you know the deeper in you get you can't take any divergent paths and you can't see the bigger picture because you're so locked into the minutia and that is just a standard issue with games design movies yeah, you know, writing music yeah. yeah. And sometimes, you know, it needs somebody who is impartial. He's a lumberjack who, <laughs> who well, can come listen, down and chop down one tree. <laughs> well, no, the idea is just to, you know, help yank back that, that perspective and say, here, look at the bigger picture. Right. Oh, now you can see why this, this section here is perhaps not working. And because, again, there's no... There's no politics, no inter-office politics with, with regards to, you know, somebody like me coming in. I don't have an axe to grind. I am not, it, it's, I don't have a financial interest in the end of the, the, the game. All I care about when I go in is what can make this a better game. Mm-hmm. And that is really rewarding in itself to, and when people say, all right, we've taken on, you know, we've taken on some of your stuff. Uh, some of the stuff that, 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 you know, that I suggest cannot be taken on board because again, some it's things are totally late. locked in engine capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not the way they want to take a certain game. And, but the fact, the fact they can provide alternatives is um you know is, is something very cool and it's something i enjoy and i get you know like i said it's got to be work. rewarding to see changes that you suggested show up in a game and then have critics say that's a good part of the game um let me see which of the games that i've worked on that i've done the can you even in- say what games you work on do you have to sign NDAs and things I'm like that? I'm signing NDAs. I'm trying to think of, of one. I don't look, I don't want to get you in trouble. Oh, oh so no, no, I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not getting <laughs> in trouble. Um, I've uh, the majority of my work, I'll be honest with you, has been on um, two titles that have not yet released. Okay. Do we, um, are they announced? Yes, they're announced. Okay. Um, and I am very much looking forward to seeing the reaction when they are eventually uh, when they eventually ship because mm-hmm. they're both games that I I had a passion for as well. Yep. Now so I really enjoyed contributing to them. So okay. Uh, so you left level seventy four and you started from alpha. What was the driving reason why you decided to strike out on your own? Um, I just really wanted to focus more on getting in and doing the early stuff. Yeah. So um, what I, you're doing with level 74, were you hitting that the products in beta? Uh, alpha. In, 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 uh, but we were doing, you know, we were doing a lot of the, the later stage mock reviews that were, you know, what the other bread and butter of a lot of consultancies and providing the, you know, the uh, projected metacritics. And we were very good at it. I mean, so you guys were telling them how the game was going to review instead of telling them how to fix the game before it's released. And obviously the idea of the mock review, it helps a publisher figure out how they need to target their marketing and their advertising, whether they should maybe pull back on their advertising or marketing, or maybe they need to spend more on advertising and marketing. Yeah, basically. Whereas what you're doing now is more like trying to fix the game before it is. Yeah, put I mean, I just, like I said, I sit down and I, uh, you know, I play the I play the games for normally two or three days. Um, and 
I sit and I just go through every every aspect and I look at uh, what I think is working, what isn't. I provide, provide comparisons with other similar titles and what they're doing right now or what they've done in the past, things that have just clicked and, and perhaps haven't. And it's, it is immensely satisfying. And look, of, uh, you know, I don't expect every single bit of feedback I give to be um, taken on board, uh, you know, and acted uh, upon or even welcomed in some cases. But um, every, you know, everybody I've worked with has been just receptive and understanding. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's nice to be making a positive impact. Um, and, you know, if I do, the way I look at it, if I do my job properly and I provide a bunch of things, uh, a bunch of ideas, and if they adapt a couple of them and they're successful and they don't adapt ones, and then, you know, I get validation later on, perhaps because that, those particular things are called out in a review or whatever. At the end of the day, as long as I've done the job to the best of my ability, I'm happy. That's I, all I'm you ha- can do. <laughs> That's really yeah. all you can do in life is do the best that you can. Yeah. And the fact is, I enjoy doing it. It gives me pleasure to contribute and work with uh, with people at various uh, studios and publishers who are just great people who you know remind me a lot of myself in my old PR days yeah. where you know they they had they they you know they're they're in the industry they're working at these companies and they're busting ass and they, and the they just want to do the yeah they want to do the best games possible and I think one of the benefits of the industry now over maybe 10 or 15 years ago is that the people who are rising to the top now the people who are in charge now are people who have been at companies for X amount of time and have been through numerous launches who are still video game players at heart and give give more of a shit I'm seeing that with a lot of people I deal with people who were former journalists people who uh, you know have done various things and have been around in the industry and have, you know, migrated into working for um, publishers and, and, and developers. And that's incredibly heartening. So I think the days of um, people coming into the games industry because they were hired because they worked for Pepsi or KFC or Mountain Dew or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, they, they can bring, they can bring video games to, you know, to new heights with this, uh, this person, because they worked on Coke zero. Yeah. Or he um, launched new Coke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, him. I mean, that's yeah. literally how bad it used to be. They'd bring it, in these was, people from other industries that failed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's basically, it was, uh, you know, it was brand name fanciest, but video games are bigger than everything now. Yeah. Now it's the public, it's the other brands who are scrabbling to get on the video game train. And that means that we have, I mean, look, we still have some total pond scum working at various positions. Oh, yeah, in, but they're in, they're being outed here. I mean, the but, last you know, couple of years have been a reckoning for a lot of those folks. Well, I think, you know, I, I'm, well, look, when I say Ponscom, yes, I mean, obviously there are some people who've done some very naughty things, but I'm talking about the ones who, you know, just view it as a paycheck and, a, you know, right. it's like, oh, I work in video games now. It's so cool. Yeah. Yes. But they don't uh, really yes, care about the media. Played a video game. Um, but I mean, you know, I like, to, I like to say we need more Peter Moores in this industry. I would agree. And less Phil um, Harrison's. Well, I think, I think, you know, the king you know, of failing upwards, Phil Harrison. Yeah. He, he, he had a rough time of it. I mean, whatever, I mean he never, yeah, I can't remember a single thing he succeeded at and he just gets one job after another into crap. Yeah, um, exactly. And here he is. He's at Google now 
running Stadia into the ground. <laughs> uh, Stadia like, that just fired 150 people today. Yeah, and cut, cut, down and their cut all their own game development. And yeah, it's yeah. it's it's only a matter of time until it's shut down. Um, but yeah. that segues nicely, actually, into something else I wanted to talk with you about. There are a few things that are kind of emerging in the industry, or in some cases have already emerged. And I want to get your take on which one you think is most important and which one you think is going to have the most stamina. So there's game streaming as far as like Google Stadia, um, Amazon, everyone's jumping in now, GeForce Now, uh, free-to-play games, cross-platform play. What do you think of those is going to be the one that stands the test of time? Well, I think cross-platform play yeah. uh, is the the one that, I mean, personally appeals to me, that especially as, you know, with the exception of the Nintendo devices cross-platform play for playstation pc and xbox should be a piece of piss and a total no-brainer yeah simply because they're all based on the same architecture yeah. i don't know the ins and outs enough of a switch i do have one i mean marcus do you think it was technical issues that were holding it up or well, no i mean i'm just i'm just building saying like walled gardens that they didn't want other people in well this is this is the thing the, 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 so that you you remove the technical aspect you uh, you know technical aspect is obviously the first stumbling block because if shit can't connect to each other it can't connect yep we know that's not the case which brings us to the second half which is as you said everybody wanting their own enclosed ecosystem Mm -hmm. sony sony and microsoft butting heads or you know not wanting to not not wanting to to, you know oh i will you know if i make a cross-platform people will probably play it on this game this system as opposed to this system and that just does the game as a disservice um i think that we're seeing signs of cross-platform coming um you know sort of like getting a lot better um i mean microsoft in you know are doing a lot with regards to their PC stuff as well. I mean, I, I got myself a, a brand new PC last summer, which was well overdue. And it's a, you know, it's a, a behemoth alienware Aurora. Um, and I'm seeing that, you know, the, the um, Xbox app for, for it with the uh, Games Pass Ultimate. Um, yeah, I was which- playing the medium on my Xbox Series X and I was capturing footage of the game for Game Face. And while I'm sitting there, my PC is popping my achievements up on the screen. Yeah, because I have the Xbox Live app on my PC and I have notifications turned off on my console so that they don't ruin the footage that I'm capturing. Instead, they started popping up on my PC monitor. I was like, this is a different age that we're living in now. But I mean, that's the way that's the great that is the the, the way and that's the great thing. And look, yeah, I understand people can't always, you know, we've always been in the lucky position. We've had PlayStations and Xboxes and Switches or Nintendo 64s or whatever. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can have that. Yeah, they have a lot to. Of people have to pick one. Yeah. yeah, pick one or the other. Um, it would be great if Sony and Microsoft could put aside whatever differences, and I'm not laying blame on either side, and just, especially for third-party games, that you could actually have cross-platform across the board on all systems, because it, it basically just brings more people into the gaming ecos- uh, ecosystem, and people have more fun. And look, certain games need that little bit, of, a little bit of a boost. I mean, they need more people playing from day one or, or coming in. And it's always the third-party games that perhaps need that boost. Um, I mean, and look, this taps back to something I've been talking about recently. Uh, well, I started talking about on my new Twitch channel, which is free-to-play multiplayer. Yeah. Um, Sony and League Microsoft. of Legends really blazed the trail for that. 
Well, look, I mean, remember the days before Sony and Microsoft when we'd have free, you know, if you if you were a PC gamer, apart from playing your internet subscription, multiplayer gaming was free. Yeah. You didn't have to have anything locked behind Xbox Live yep. or PlayStation Plus. And I, mean, I would online love... play still free on PC. <laughs> well, it is. It, it, I it don't is. I anything to play online on PC. But I, I mean, this, this is the thing. I really would love to see Sony and Microsoft, especially as they want to focus more on their subscription based stuff like, you know, Games Pass Ultimate. And um... instead, Microsoft double, tried to double the price of Xbox Live. <laughs> yeah, as a way to force people over to the other service. Right. And, yeah, and that, didn't, yeah. that lasted about eight hours. That was literally, that was, I think, less actually. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a, ba- a bad idea. It's but... terrible. Where do those ideas come from, Marcus? Like, that's one of those examples where I think the average person player the average enthusiast sits there and they're like who who was in the meeting that and didn't speak up and say this is a terrible idea how did no one at xbox see how terrible of an idea it was before they announced it publicly things like this is why you need consultants (laughs) um things like this happen because Again, you still get some people who are afraid to to, to talk. You know, I think the average to... Joe could have told them like that's, that's a the thing. terrible you know, idea. <laughs> if somebody gets this idea in their head that they want this is the way they want their their, their department to to go, it's hard to talk them out of it. I mean, I've 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 been uh, in in some you know meetings that have not gone very well because I've been very very vocal uh, to my professional detriment back in the day as a, as a PR person. I mean, you know, Actually, I. Uh, that segues nicely into the next thing I want to talk to you about, which Jordan. is political stances um, as a public figure. Uh, you probably don't notice this, but I am apolitical on Twitter. I do not post anything political in my Twitter feed. I am a small business owner, and I'll just be perfectly honest with you. I am petrified by the idea of airing my political stances could cost me my business. Um, now, look. If you listen to our podcast or you consume any content on Sifted, it's pretty obvious where I stand. I have said many times that Trump is the worst president we've ever had and and things like that. But most people who are not a part of Sifted and are not a patron or a subscriber, where they see me is on Twitter. And I'm trying, obviously, Twitter is a big tool to help grow your business. So I, again, admittedly, have been very reluctant to share my political stance on Twitter. You have not. Um, how do you kind of look at that? Because it, you could look at it a couple of different ways. You could you could say, okay, well, Shane, you're not angering anybody, but you're not energizing anyone either. Or you could yeah, look I mean, at it like- That's actually, that's the, the one thing I would say is um, that, you know, I understand you're scared to scare, to scare viewers and potential subscribers off. But I would say that you would also- you know, by being a little more political in your personal f- Twitter feed, not on the sifted feed, but on your oh, yeah, own. Of course not. Just, yeah. You know, being more more open with what you do could probably attract people more because there's a lot of people who are socially conscious and uh, activism dri- uh, driven who want to support companies. I mean, you see companies who are leaning to the right also having supported or advertised on right-leaning networks getting battered from pillar to post yeah. um, because people and look let's let's be let's be totally honest here we know that there are 70 million Americans who voted for Trump mm-hmm. um, 
And not all of that 70 million are MAGA wingnuts who, like the ones who tried to storm the capital, capital on January the yep. 6th. There are people in my family. There are people who, for Trump that would not storm the Capitol. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, they, you know, and look, I am I, I do have an issue with people who vote for Trump, because at the end of the day, if you're voting for Trump, you're voting for ignorance, you're voting for um, divisiveness and you're voting for violence and a narrow minded. view. Oh, Marcus, I didn't America. say I don't have issues with these. people. No, no, no. I'm just I'm my saying from, oh, from my perspective, from yeah. my perspective, I'm just saying that. That, that's the way that's the way I, I look at it there's 70 million people not all of them are um you know full-on red hat wearers but then there's also a lot more who voted for biden and a lot more who still didn't didn't vote or a lot more who couldn't vote who don't want a lot of this support someone who might support someone like that yeah i mean they, they would they would yeah. they would much rather i mean we take our dollars to companies that you know, where we can afford it, we shop local, we shop with companies who, you know, align with our um, political views, people who don't practice. Uh, I don't you think know, you're alone these. there. I think a lot of people do that. I mean, yeah, and I think that's, 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 that's the way to do it. I mean, look, and for me, the look, I've, I've had the Annoyed Gamer brand in Twitter for a long time, and I know it's cost me followers when I've put on, you know, when I've, especially in, you know, over the last four years, when I've been ranting against Donald Trump and the, 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 um, the, the only political thing I ever posted, Marcus, was on election day. I posted a photo of me outside the polling booth where I voted, and I said, I did my part to save our democracy. And Look, I, in within 30 minutes, I lost almost 200 followers. And that's unfortunately <laughs> says more, that says more about them than you. I, I and honestly, it. I mean, look, so so let's let's just you know, I mean, I at my peak, I had twenty five thousand followers on Twitter, and I think I'm about down to actually, where is my profile? Um, I don't even. I, I think even, you can also look on the flip side, and uh, someone like a Colin Moriarty, who isn't you know a Trump loving whatever, but he definitely appeals to right leaning players a little more. Um, He's a and libertarian, think, and libertarians. Uh, I saw somebody um, describe libertarians as uh, um, closeted Republicans with bongs. Yeah, that I could be. That I don't kind of honestly know. I'm I am an independent. I have I have no political affiliation whatsoever. And I'm I, a filthy socialist. I. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and it's I'll funny. be honest with you, Marcus. I never cared about politics until Trump came along, and I got off. The, I had never even voted for president until Trump came along, and I literally registered as an independent and got off the sidelines just to get rid of him to try to again save our democracy i could see it coming i as soon as well, i saw him i saw it all coming it's still look it's i personally think that if you are entitled if you are eligible to vote it's your civic duty to vote yeah. uh, and exercise well, that right guilty. And I, and I had not done it my life because i'll be honest with you i was the guy who was like all politicians are the same. They all lie just as much as the other one. And then Trump came along and just blew all that to bits. And that got well, me Trump, you know, Trump's a Trump's a, Trump's a grifter. His family's a oh, grifter. Absolutely. He's been a that's, that, that's his entire thing. life. Yeah. My, 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 my point is that every, you know, they should make it easier to vote that every vote, every uh, election, whether it be the midterms or the general election should be a national holiday Agreed. where people can get yeah. out and vote. When you see one side trying to stop, stop people, people from, from exercising their yeah. constitutional that's right a huge to red vote, flag. yeah, yeah, that's a problem. And the Republican Party is not what the Republican Party was it's twenty not, years ago. It's not. It's not about like 
tax policy anymore, where we spend our tax money. It's gone to some other they universe. Yeah. They, all, they did, all they did was double, triple the deficit. But anyway, I, I don't want to get... Uh, yeah, I don't want to get in the minutiae of politics. Their own. I am a you know a working class boy from a, a small town outside of Swansea in Wales. I, um, always been have that sort of like working class mentality. I think healthcare should be free. Education should be free. People should have the right to earn. I mean, the American dream is gone, but the American dream was you could work a job, have a home, put food on the table and and be able to enjoy yourself to a certain degree. Not a portion every single driveway, but people could have the basics and the basics no longer are attainable unless you are working three freaking jobs nowadays. Yeah. And there's five, both of you in a relationship are, you know, are, are working three jobs each. It's become so top heavy where you see that since the pandemic, a uh, trillion dollars was added to the wealth of the billionaires and everybody else got fucked. Yeah. That's a problem. And is, so yeah. to me, it's a social responsibility, but not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like me. I mean, I don't really care. I put anything I put on like on our game where it's not a brand decision. It's basically, it's my stream of consciousness. So that's yeah. why I'm happy to be more political. Um, you know, while, uh, while I was uh, on a, uh, on a business trip last March, just before the, the, the pandemic, uh, Bernie Sanders was in town and I didn't get to go, but my wife did. And Public Enemy was performing, and it was, <laughs> you know, so she got she basically Bite the power, you know, yeah, yeah. She basically, um, you know, got got me the got me the poster, which I now have framed from from that particular one. But yeah, I I believe that we need to do do better by everybody and treat each other as we would like to be treated. Don't pick on people because of the color of their skin, because of who they love, how they feel, as uh, whether they they are binary, non-binary. Just let live and I, I'm on I'm on the live and let live. And <laughs> You're also, into let's, a hippie let's keep let, no. Let's keep this let's keep this planet in one place. Yeah, I agree. Last year we had, I was packing to evacuate because of the wildfires. They got within a couple of miles of my house. We sealed our house up with masking tape over every door and window because the smoke was getting in. We had to buy air purifiers. I had to inventory everything in the house because we were under an evacuation order for a week. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's because PG&E and SoCal Edison are not updating their their um, equipment and it's causing these fires in, in, in various parts of the state. And the reason they're not updating stuff is because they're paying their goddamn shareholders. Yeah. And that's a problem. Utilities should be publicly owned and publicly, uh, and, uh, they should be federal and state level ownership, not corporations, not sh- not shares, uh, and so on. It should all the money should be basically pumped back into improving the quality of life. And everybody says, "Oh, that's filthy socialism." Well, who you know? Who do you think operates the bus system? Who do you think operates the train system? Who keeps the roads going? Who, fire yeah, who keeps the, the libraries going and the, the street <laughs> yeah, lights? Yeah, I going. hear you, Marcus. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is why. Yes, I am very. I am a, a, an unabashed um socialist um i am not a um fidel castro level socialist i do believe people should be allowed to make their own money i do believe people should be able to shoot for the stars if they want to but not by treading on people's heads and when they do make the sort of money that the elon musks and jeff bezos's of this world make they should be taxed at such a high rate to help make sure that people have houses over their heads and kids don't go to school hungry 
Yeah. The irony for this and this whole thing for me is that I was born in West Virginia, probably if not the poorest state in the United States, top three for sure. Um, and so a lot of things I do in my life is trying to help people like the people from West Virginia. I root for the little guy to ascend. And it's very frustrating to watch them essentially vote against their own best interests. It's like, it's like, I can't help you if you won't help yourself. Um, and that's been a really frustrating thing for me it's, over the last it's a disinformation thing. I mean, this yeah, is where, where they're just fed have, lies and yeah. Well, well, when you have stations like, um, you know, Fox news and, um, was it? Don't even mention oh, the other trash rags. I don't even want their name. I mean, the, the, on this they, show. Not, the news outlets need to have some sort of regulation that if you are a, if you claim to be a news outlet and you peddle bullshit, and made up stuff, you lose all rights to be held accountable. Yeah, yeah. held accountable, taxed as an entertainment entity, because basically there should be tax breaks for delivering unbiased, nonpartisan, fact-based news. Get away from the opinionists. People will never agree on what the truth is anymore. People could see something happen right in front of their face, and they will say it didn't happen. If someone told them it didn't happen. I mean, that's where we're at. So that's an uphill battle. I think we're going to be fighting for a long time. Um, Marcus, you mentioned earlier that you have a brand new Twitch channel. And that, I believe, is twitch.tv slash imbeer. Is that correct? And what are you doing over there? What's what's the plan? Well, I've only done one show so far. I did one last Friday just to test things out. And it's basically, you know, I sat down and I thought... What has the internet not got enough of? Um, opinionated middle-aged white guys. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, with no discernible talent whatsoever. <laughs> well, uh, I com- then, completely disagree with that, but um, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of amazing men, women, um, you know, wh- whatever, uh, whatever you know, gender you you describe yourself as. And look, I mean, I'm old. I'm still working on the pronouns. Please bear with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of talented people out there and creating amazing shit. I'm I have don't have that skill set. But the thing I love about Twitch is that I can put my webcam on. I can sit and I can talk about stuff that I've played, games that I've uh, I've played like Cyberpunk 2077, Hitman 3, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. There's the games I've played recently mm-hmm. and just get into it. And because I've enjoyed playing them in various ways, I just talk and critique them, um, talk about the news that's happened in the, you know, in the industry, but also talk about more pop culture stuff, movies yep. I've watched. Why, uh, you know, so why it's I open format, Woman, kind of like this show. Was, <laughs> yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 is horrible. It is uh, horrible. It's so bad. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've, you know, I've been working on my, uh, my, you know, my plan, and I actually have, you know, so I have this this channel, and I have three shows mapped out. Um, first one's on a Tuesday at two p.m. Uh, Pacific. Pacific, okay, yeah, and that's the pop culture news break with Grumpy Uncle Beer, <laughs> okay, um, and that's basically just catching up on the news from the weekend, uh, stuff like the Google Stadia. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about things like Justice, uh, the Justice League Snyder Cut um and talk you know a couple of other things and then on wednesday at 2 p.m so basically i've scheduled everything to have you know the same time every you know every couple of days and then on wednesday sorry i'm doing a few of my favorite things which is just a trip down memory lane for me it's not going to be a huge you know diverse discussion every week but i'm going to pick um like two or three games that I really like, or two or three movies, and I'm going to Showing dissect off stuff into- that you like, basically. Yeah, and just yeah. talk about how they about my passions. One week I'm going to talk about Spectrum, ZX Spectrum games from the '80s. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite albums. Um, 
you know, and comic books and, you know, some of the, my, my Super NES games that I really loved. And, you know, just talk about these things and build, a, you know, a little, uh, do, do something a little bit different. And then on Friday, it's um, Back from the Dead, which is my uh, weekly catch up where I just talk about what's happened during the week. Again, what I'm playing, um, what I want to play, what's been interesting, what's sucked. And that's, you know, that's a little more perhaps Invisible Walls-ish, but mm-hmm. without any guests. I mean, then I'm still learning the Twitch process. Yeah, takes so a little while. It does take a little while, but I'm very happy to say I have over 150 followers already. That's great. Is, Congratulations. That is, yeah, that is pretty cool. And now I'm just going to work to get um, the you page built. tidied up and, you know, production values, get some logos, get intro sequences, and just learn how to do all that stuff. I mean, it's stuff that I, you know, was very blessed to have yeah, people like me always people, handled that for you before. Yeah, incredibly <laughs> talented people who I always appreciated, and now I appreciate a whole lot more. Even more. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, we were having this discussion, uh, you know, offline that it's, you know, you go through so much work trying to do all the video editing and the, the capture and everything else. And I don't really want to do that. I don't want to stream. Games. I don't blame you. <laughs> I mean, I, I am, I, look, I've said that I may stream a game from time to time and I may might well do that perhaps for charity or for pure comedy purposes. But yep. when I play games, I play them at my own pace. I don't want to feel like I'm on the clock and um, I have to do the dance monkey dance thing. Um, and so the, you know, I still want to play games to enjoy them. Yeah, and so I'm still going to keep on doing that, and I'm just going to talk about things that I enjoy, and obviously, if there are things that irk me, I will talk about those too. All right. Well, before we go, Marcus, what are you playing? What are you watching? And what are you drinking this weekend? Um, okay. Well, I'm actually, I've kind of not. I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not drinking anything this weekend because I'm on dry February. Okay. Um, the wife and I planned on doing dry January, but the um, inauguration was uh, <laughs> it was too much day. to bear. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we we busted out a couple of champagne. Oh, and you watching an, we, an we attempted coup happening at your capital? I could see where you might need a. Glass oh well, of I mean, the, on the 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 sixth, yeah, that was just that was horrific. But yeah, so there's no drinking this month. But uh, as everybody knows. Um, myself and michael pactor are the uh we're always the uh, the scotch lovers of yep. game trailers and um yes i look forward to having a glass of scotch with with pack again on his boat when this is all over and while well, we compare pandemic haircuts because his is just as wild <laughs> raging as mine. um so i'm yeah. not yeah not drinking anything i will probably be on uh, the earl grade tea and okay. some bottled water. Um, what am I watching? I'm watching uh, The Stand, which is get, coming to the end of its run on uh, CBS All Access. Uh, I'm watching One Division on Disney Plus because they are both very enjoyable. Um, also watching, um, would you believe, The Unicorn on CBS, which is a great little sitcom. Two CBS shows, major broadcast news networks. When, well, well, I mean, one of them, I mean, the CBS <laughs> interactive one of The Stand, which is the adaption of the season, Stephen right. King. Right, Stephen King. Yeah. It's very R-rated. Lots of, um, you know, swears and nudity and stuff. Because I mean, it's, it's off, a show. off broadcast, um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, those are the things that I'm I, I'm watching and playing while well, I'm since you uh, you sold me on Hades, I'm going to give that a crack by okay. uh, from our old friend Greg Kasavin yeah. and Supergiant Games. But things I have been playing over the last couple of weeks, um, Cyberpunk clocked up a lot of hours on that, over 150 hours, I think. Oh, wow. I haven't played that much, but I did finish it and played it all the way to the end. Yeah, I, I, people, I, so. <laughs> I played it through at the end and then decided to restart it because of the way the ending works. Oh, okay. Um, and it's it's... And again, I'm playing on a top of the NPC. So there are some glitches. 
that are really annoying at times, but it's still a frigging cracking game. It is. Um, I really Assassin's like it Creed too. Valhalla, I put a lot of time into. Hitman 3. I love the Hitman franchise unequivocally. I am probably the worst Hitman player on the planet. <laughs> um, but I just that love That does not surprise around. me because that game requires patience. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, I am, I'm actually very patient. I tend to really? watch, that, watch everybody. That is uh, not the, one of the words that comes to mind when I think of well, Marcus no, Beer. Again, <laughs> look, I'm 50 years old now, and there are certain things, you know, that you learn to be over the years. That's true. That's true. Um, what else? Uh, what else have I been playing? I'm actually going back, been going back through my old um, library, um, the Old Republic, the Star Wars MMO. Uh, okay, I played a lot of that. Started some new characters and had a you know and had a bunch of fun kicking around with that. Um, a full weekend, Marcus. If you're going to play all this stuff, well, no, no. I mean, I, I'm just. Uh, this is what I've just been playing over the last couple of weeks. But I, so I'm this weekend, this more. is what you're going to choose from. Essentially. Yeah, more Hitman Three and uh, probably um, some Hades and maybe some GTA Online. I'm finding my way around that. Ah. Um, ironically, I did actually try uh, try to play Halo uh, again from the Xbox Live app um, yesterday. And I had to put it down because it's the just, first one, Combat Evolved. Yeah, the first yeah, one. It's, it's, not the it's tough to play now. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it is. And then uh, the other one I tried to explore was Yakuza Collection because I never really played Yakuza before that. And I'm sorry. I mean, there were some things never change, and me sitting through forty-five minutes of cutscenes before I get to any gameplay, automatic fail. I installed. See, Yakuza. you're impatient, Marcus. Just like no, I no. Said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm sorry, but because that is the extreme. Uh, right? These huge cutscenes on yeah. three games before you can even get in and learn about you. your character—that's a party. That, that's sadism. That's a party fail. I agree. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not going to. So basically, they they came on my hard drive. They went off my hard drive. But um, yeah, I've got enough stuff to keep me keep me going. Um, and I mean, there's a couple of games coming out this year. That I want to uh, Horizon, the follow up to Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to play. Oh. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to look at getting an ex, uh, a PS5 at some point. Yep. I, I am one of the lucky ones who has both, but it took a lot of work to make that happen. A well, lot you, you are part of the industry. All night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. you have to be, you, you know, you, you work hard to get those perks. And this was the first time. Oh, I Marcus, didn't get, I didn't even... get them free. I had to buy them like everybody else. Oh, wow. Well, oh, yeah. Microsoft... Sony and Microsoft cut me off a long time ago from free hardware. I still get games, but not hardware. No. Wow, they need to they need to up their game then. Eh, really do. I don't it's fine. <laughs> I'm happy with the free games. We're little, you know. I'm not working at game trailers or G4 or GameSpot anymore. I understand their perspective. So, um I'm okay paying for my own hardware. I was lucky enough to actually find it, which is really the scare. Like to me, it's like if they would have been like, "Okay, you know, we want you to pay for it, but we'll make sure you get one." That would have been nice, but I'm not been out of shape that I didn't get it free. It's all good. Uh so Marcus, thank you very much for joining us on the debut episode of 3 Night Weekend. I cannot think of a better person to kick things off with than you uh, it's been a great discussion and thanks for taking the time with us man thanks for having me dude it's, it's always lovely to sit and chat with you and uh, and catch up and uh, who knows maybe at some point when i figured everything out i'll have you on a, one, one of my shows on my twitch channel and then we can the boot will be on the other foot that's right and i am more than willing to do that and by the way you can find marcus on twitter at annoyed gamer correct yeah, at Annoyed Gamer, and it's got all the info on the Twitch uh, Twitch channel up there as well. So yep, um, and that is twitch.tv slash imbeer. All 
right now that Marcus has told you what he's up to this weekend, it's time to chart your own path. Games! February is usually slow for games, but we got a couple things for you this weekend that you might consider playing. First up is Destruction All-Stars. This is a PS5 exclusive, and if you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber, you can get the game for free right now. It's a smash-up derby game uh, with a little bit of hero shooter mixed in there. Initial reviews have been lukewarm, but it is unique and something that you probably haven't played at least for quite a while. Next up is Neo 2 for PC. It launches today alongside the Neo Collection for PlayStation 5. So if you're looking for a hack and slash action RPG that's really top shelf, excellent choices across the board there. Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood was just released yesterday. It has also been getting lukewarm reviews, but if you're looking for a game where you can hack and slash with werewolf claws, you're not going to find many other options out there. And then finally, Monkey Barrels is launching for PC on Saturday. This is a twin stick shooter, and yep, there are plenty of those available on PC, but this one certainly has its own unique angle and is worth checking out. TV and film! Ready to be a couch potato this weekend? There are lots of options in TV and film, and we're just going to get through them real quick because there is a lot. Heish Season 2 launches on Netflix this weekend. Invisible City, a brand new show, is launching on Netflix this weekend. The Last Paradiso is a Netflix original film that's coming online this over the next few days. Little Big Women is another Netflix film that's coming online this weekend. And then Malcolm and Marie is yet another Netflix film that's coming online. If you want to get into something a little more salacious, a little more steamy, the fifth season of Summer House launches on Bravo this weekend. It's basically just a bunch of young, attractive people living together in a summer house. You can fill in the blanks yourself. Probably the thing that we're looking forward to the most this weekend is a documentary about the Go-Go's, uh, the pop band from the 80s, the all-girl trailblazing pop band from the 80s. That is airing on Showtime and VOD. Uh, a film called Little Fish is also debuting on VOD this weekend. It's about a virus that wipes out people's memories, and, it's, and it follows a couple that are trying to keep their relationship together when they don't remember anything about each other. Certainly an interesting concept. And then on Amazon Prime, a new movie called Bliss is debuting this weekend. It stars Salma Hayek and Owen Wilson, and they are a couple living in a simulated reality. Uh, sounds interesting and not altogether too different from Little Fish. And then finally, if you're looking for a babysitter so you can actually consume all the awesome stuff we're talking about, the first season of The Snoopy Show debuts on Apple TV. Music! Lots of big album releases this week as well. Uh, launching today, the Foo Fighters' new album, Medicine at Midnight. It's been a bit since we got a new release from those guys. Also, The Weeknd has a new album coming out. Well, kind of new. It's actually called The Highlights, and it's a greatest hits compilation of some of his best songs. Obviously, he's been in the news a lot lately because he is performing at halftime of the Super Bowl. A couple more under-the-radar picks. A band called Slow Thigh has a new album coming out called Nothing Great About Britain. It's the debut album for the band, and so far its Metacritic rating is in the mid-8s, uh, which would lead you to believe it's pretty good. And then finally, The Weather Station. Its new album is called Ignorance, and its Metacritic right now is sitting at 90. So definitely check that one out. Sports! This is the biggest weekend of the year in sports. Why? Because it's Super Bowl weekend. But there's a bunch of other stuff to watch in addition to that three-hour window that you're going to set aside on Sunday. Um, on Friday night in the NBA, the Celtics play the Clippers, which should be a great game. 
And then on Saturday, the Nets square off against the Sixers in a battle of two of the better Eastern Conference teams. If you're into golf, and I know a lot of people may be getting into things that they didn't think they enjoyed during the pandemic, the Waste Management Phoenix Open and the Saudi Invitational go all weekend long. And then if you're into hockey, like I am, the biggest game of the weekend is undoubtedly tonight when the Bruins head to Philadelphia to take on the Flyers, two of the top teams in the East. And then, of course, on Sunday... It's Super Bowl 55. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Kansas City Chiefs. Vegas is saying that the Chiefs are favored by three points, and I am going to make a pick for this game. I hate to say it. I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate the Patriots, but I'm going with the Buccaneers in this one, Um, particularly if you're planning on having some fun betting on the game because you're getting three points. I honestly think the Buccaneers win the game outright. I think they have the better defense. I do think the Chiefs have a slightly better offense, uh, but the Chiefs are beat up on the offensive line. They've lost some players to injury and COVID. Um, I think Tom Brady does it again. I think the Buccaneers win Super Bowl 55. And then a final note about the Super Bowl, The Weeknd is performing the halftime show, if you haven't figured it out by all the commercials by now. And if you just want to check that out, you can probably tune in around 7.45 Eastern. And don't forget, kickoff of the game is at 6.30 Eastern. Esports. As we said, it's Super Bowl weekend, and Madden NFL 21 is getting in on the fun with its biggest tournament of the year, the club championship. The finals are actually going down today. Uh, So if you want to see some of the best Madden players duke it out for a huge prize pool, check it out. It starts off at around 7 p.m. Eastern. Next up is the Counter-Strike Global Offensive Blast Premier Spring Series. It's just one of the stops on the biggest Counter-Strike esports tour, and the event this weekend is worth 150 k Also going down this weekend is the PUBG Global Invitational. It's actually been going on for a while now, but this is sort of the latest leg of that esports event with a $3.5 million prize pool. All right, that's it for the first episode of Three Night Weekend. Once again, we want to thank Marcus Beer for joining us on the show. And as we said, you can find him on Twitter at AnnoyGamer, or you can find his Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash imbeer. We want to thank all our patrons who make this show possible. And if you're interested in supporting the show, head to patreon.com slash sifted and pledge at least $4 per month, and you'll be able to get this show every Friday morning when it's really, really essential. Join us next week when we talk to the creator of God of War, David Jaffe. So thanks for checking out the debut episode of Three Night Weekend. And remember that every weekend is a three-night weekend.